Hey everyone, and welcome to another episode of the You Know Jack podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Jacklevic. It's great to be with you today. Uh, today is today for you, but for me, it's really yesterday, if that makes any sense. Um, it is Thursday evening. It's been a great week. I had an awesome weekend. My folks came into town for the first time in a while. We were able to get out and do some fun stuff. Uh, went and got some good food. Had some nice weather. It was awesome. Something kind of funny happened with Sat uh, Friday. They got into town and we had all these plans for dinner. A kind of exciting dinner plan that went really south. Uh, what happened was my wife and I got an email a couple weeks ago about a chili cook-off fundraiser. So it was from the Edwardsville Parks and Recs Department, and it was to raise money for the Edwardsville Fire Department and a, for a senior living community or something. So we both see the email, forward it to each other, talked about how it would be really cool to to do that, right? And it was on the night my parents were getting into town, and we thought, like, that's awesome. We'll go do a drive-through chili pickup. They were providing chili, corn dogs, hot dogs, um, I think cinnamon rolls. It, it just sounded like a perfect evening. So my wife goes to the Main Street Community Center, and there's nothing going on there. Just, it's closed, there's no cars. She calls me, I tell her that she's got to be wrong, she's at the wrong place, you know, typical uh, husband-type stuff. I just tell her she's she's got it all wrong. I go back and look at my email, and, you know, we live in Edwardsville, Illinois. I'm from Kansas City, Kansas, Near Kansas City, Kansas, there's a town called Edwardsville, Kansas. Somehow, we both got an email from Edwardsville, Kansas Park and Recs Center. They were having the fundraiser, so we paid for seven chili dinners in Edwardsville, Kansas. And we live four hours from there. So, needless to say, we did not have chili that night. And before I figured all this out, I called the fire department and asked them if they were having a chili cook-off for a fundraiser, and they laughed at me, and they said, no, I think you got scammed. You might you might want to call the PD, because I think you guys got scammed. So we settled for some Emo's pizza, and I'll tell you what, that's better than chili anyways, so it was a win in my book. And uh, man, we just had a great time with my family, uh, my parents... We we had we had a great time, relaxed a lot, did some fun stuff, and then you know I had a few other house projects that I needed to get to. Didn't get to those though, so stand by. Still got a couple bulbs out in the bathroom. I'll keep you posted on that though. Whenever I get around to it, um, I'm also excited to share that the podcast studio is done. So next week, episode ten, I will be recording it in the new studio. With a very special guest. That special guest is Mr. Andy Murray from episode one. Andy's a great buddy of mine who 
told me he would help me with this thing from the get-go. He did my interview on the first episode. He's been a listener for the first not eight episodes. This is the ninth today. Uh, so we're going to kind of have a fun little episode next week, talk about all the different episodes, what we took from them, and uh, just catch up a little bit. Andy, Andy's had a crazy couple weeks. So I'll just leave it at that. I'll, we'll fill you in next week on the on the episode. Uh, but on to today's episode. I'm really excited for this. Our guest today, her name is Casey. I can't say her last name, so I'm not even going to try. Uh, she has a, a special connection to one of our other guests, and that guest is from episode five, Mr. James Pritchard. And uh, so I'm really excited for you guys to hear you know, her story and uh, a little bit about her and James and how they met. And she's also someone that's in the recovery world. And so she'll, she'll be able to share her experience and, you know, how life has been for her. She gives some advice at the end for anyone that's out there suffering an addiction still or has family members suffering. And so I think it'll be a really cool episode for everybody to hear. So with that being said, I'm going to go ahead and stop blabbering and take you on into the episode. Make sure to tune in next week for the recap episode with me and Andy, episode 10. We'll be going through all the others, and uh, everybody have a really good week. Check out Casey. All right. See you guys. Ready to go? I'm ready. All right. Uh, Just try to stay pretty close to it. Don't back up too much. Okay. We should be good, though. All right. All right. Well, let's uh, jump right in. All right. So um, I'm here with my new friend, Casey. Casey, I don't know how to pronounce your last name. What is your last name? Blazioli. Blazioli. Yes. All right. I was I was going to butcher that if I tried. <laughs> Very Italian. Yeah, yeah. So uh, are you from this area, Casey? I grew up in South Roxana my entire life. South Roxana, Illinois. Yep. So we're still on the east side of St. Louis with uh, most of our guests here. I appreciate you joining me today. Um, you know, Casey and I have been talking the last few weeks about doing this. Casey's uh, fiance, James, was a guest on our fifth episode, and James's episode is, uh, I think James's episode is our most popular episode nice. so far. Uh, a lot of people have listened, and uh, we're, we're grateful for that, and I think his story has touched a lot of people. So It's powerful. Yeah, it really is, and uh, I'm, I'm glad to have you on board now and to share your story. So Thanks uh, for having me. I hope you're excited and not too nervous. A little both. <laughs> yeah. So uh, from St. Louis area, mm-hmm. we're on the east side of St. Louis in Illinois. Um, tell me about childhood. What was your life like growing up? Uh, pretty normal, really. Um, I remember like playing with my dad on the floor, rolling around, wrestling. Like I have memories of playing cards with my mom, like normal childhood things, childhood friends out running around, playing in the streets, you know, football, kickball, sports, like normal stuff, really. Yeah. So you, uh, your parents both still in this area? Still, still together. Still oh, living still in Wood together? River. Yeah, still yeah. married. Yeah, normal. same here. Yeah. Same here. So you yeah. had a you had a pretty normal upbringing. Yeah, yeah. You know that's interesting. I feel like uh, you know I know you and I are both in the recovery world, and you know uh, you meet a lot of people that didn't have a normal childhood, right? But 
I meet just as many that did. You yeah. know, it's not, I mean, I'm sure there are some people that maybe their life would be different and maybe they wouldn't have gotten as bad with certain issues in life if they had a more stable childhood. But right. I don't think it's a precursor at all. I don't either. You know, I think that uh, you could have the greatest childhood. I agree. In the world and still have issues. I agree completely. So, yeah, that's that's interesting. So, you you were born into a a family that was intact. Yeah. Good relationships. You have siblings? I have one older sister. Okay. And um, we don't have much of a relationship. We never really have um, something that I I would like to work on still. Yeah, yeah. But... um, yeah, it's just never really been there for us. Like yeah. we get along when we're in the same room, but we've never really been friends. Right. So how much older is she? Four, four years. Four years? That's yeah. a pretty good gap. Though. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It scares me for my two girls. They're four years apart. Oh, are they? <laughs> yeah. Okay. So we'll see how that pans out for them. I always tell them like, you guys need to be best friends because I yeah. want that with my sister. I've always wanted that with my right. sister and I've never had it. So well, maybe you'll get there someday. Yeah, maybe. Got time. Yeah. So, um, what was what was life like with the older sister and uh, mom and dad? Were you, did you guys take a lot of trips, do fun stuff? Uh, yeah, I mean, we took some trips. Um, we didn't really like have a whole lot of like family vacation type things, but um, I, I, we were close as a family. Like my dad played sports a lot, and he played softball. So we, I remember always being like at one of his games with our family and his, their friends. And I remember like their friends coming over to our house. And I think maybe they were playing poker sometimes, yeah, and things yeah. of that nature, you know. But uh, um, having an older sister. She never wanted me around ever. (laughs) So I was always getting pushed out the door and leave us alone and go play. So I kind of had a childhood best friend I met in um, first grade and I pretty much lived at her house as much as I could. She was like my sister up until sixth grade. So yeah, I, I have a younger brother and I remember and I regret it to this day. I mean, we're best friends now, but. I remember there was a time for me when I didn't want him around, you know, and then something shifted as we got a little older and we became, you know, he was my best buddy and still is to this day, but it's kind of weird how that happens with siblings. Yeah. So, um, so softball, huh? Your dad played soft, this area and softball, (laughs) it's like, he's, was he a baseball player too, or just softball? I think he just played softball. He might have done baseball like in high school or something, but he was, he played football, rugby, softball. Okay. So he's just, he's just a man's man. Yes. Yeah. Very much. And how's your relationship with your mom and dad today? It's awesome. It's great. Uh, Yeah. It's great. Um, my mom has always been there for me. She's my biggest supporter always. And I mean, my dad too, but my mom's my best friend and, um, she's never left my side ever. Yeah. Um, a little of an enabler, honestly. And she knows that. And, um, but I'm, I'm so thankful for both of them. They never left yeah. me. You know, they always gave me what I needed, helped me with my kids at like my lowest, never, never left me yeah. ever. So I'm well, grateful for that. That's great to hear. A lot of people don't have that. Yeah. And, uh, it makes things a lot easier to have that support. Yeah, for you sure. Know, when you're trying to go th- work through a hard time. Well, if you haven't, uh, picked up on it yet, we're here with another inspirational addiction story. Um, <laughs> Casey is, I think, a couple years sober. A year and a half. Year and a half. Okay. So a year and a half sober and clean. And um, Casey and I met through her fiance, James. 
we've actually this is probably the first time we've actually met. Yes. We've seen each other. Right. Um, but we didn't really actually talk that night. Yeah. And uh, you know, so it's very nice to meet you. You as well. Um and uh so I guess you know, you had a normal upbringing. When did things start to uh when did you notice that you might have an issue or when did you start experimenting with uh drugs and alcohol? Uh sixth grade. Sixth I, grade. I, yeah. I was young. I had that childhood friend up until sixth grade I spoke about and I got to sixth grade and I met another girl and we became best friends immediately and me and her um I played basketball with her and her sister and like all their friends. And it was just a group of us and we played volleyball and track. We did it all together. And so we, we experimented together as well. And, um, I remember, um, stealing cigarettes. I I think my first thing that I ever really did like that was stealing. Stealing is what started it for me is what I can remember. And, um, cigarettes. Like they used to keep them out in front of the counter and in the middle of Walmart. They didn't, you'd have to ask for that. I remember that same thing. And so I would, I would be the one. They always, Casey, go get a cigarette. So I'd go and get us a 10 packs of cigarettes and we'd smoke them and choke them down. And it was disgusting. I remember that first cigarette buzz when I was in middle school and it just knocks you on your butt. (laughs) And I remember thinking it was so horrible. I did not like it, but I just did it because (laughs) I thought every, I thought it was cool. Yeah. We, that's what we all. I think two two of us out of probably ten like didn't smoke. They're like, "This is disgusting. I don't like it. And I'm not doing it." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and the rest of us just kept choking them down until until we liked it, I guess. But um, with that, we um, started. Um, we tried weed and then we started drinking and that was a weekend thing very quickly and every weekend thing in middle school even. Oh yeah, sixth wow. grade, sixth, sixth grade, sixth grade. Yeah. That's- that's early. It was real. I didn't realize how young I was at the time. And looking back now, like speaking with other addicts, I'm like, dang, I was young. Like yeah. I didn't realize, you know? And so that I think, um, took a toll on my, um, maturity level for a long sure. time. And, um, and so what, um, how were you able to drink? on the weekends was there just somebody's house you guys hung out at or would yeah. you be out and about in common areas in the town that you could drink in you know a park or something we had a couple houses we could go to we had one girl's house that the parents left like every weekend yeah. and so we had free range of that house and then we had my best friend's house at the time her parents were the were the type of parents that I rather you be here so I know what yeah, you're doing. Yeah. And, and so we took advantage of that fully. Yeah. And I don't, I don't know how old you are, but I'm, I'm almost 40 and I, I was definitely grew up in that environment mm-hmm. where like, you know, my high school graduation party, I had a keg. Right. And my yeah. parents allowed, you know, like you could come and drink yep. as long as you weren't driving, but you can't, you can't really do that these days. No, no, much. that's how it was. I'm 36. Okay. So, gotcha. um, Right there with you, I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah. James, let me know that I'm closer to forty than I am thirty now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm I'm a year I'm a year and a half ahead of you. I'm almost thirty eight. So, um, so you're starting to experiment. You're doing the drinking thing mm-hmm. at a very early age. Does your family know about this? Um, I think my mom might have known that we were smoking weed, but it wasn't like I talked to her about it. She didn't let me know that she knew. Right. Like, it was a mom's intuition. I think now looking back, she probably knew, but I didn't tell her by right. any means. She knew you were up to something. Yeah. And my right. dad kind of has always been in the dark about everything. My yeah. mom never really let him know fully to the extent of how bad things were with me. Okay. 
So, so as uh, as time goes on in middle school, do things escalate? Yeah, um, I started taking pills and okay. um, fell in love immediately. Um, benzos, um, painkillers, really anything, anything I could get. Um, that that became an everyday thing during school, after school, whenever. Didn't and were care. you getting those from a doctor or no, off no. the street okay. usually? Yeah, I I tried getting them from a doctor a lot and. Um, I could never find the right doctor. <laughs> yeah, dang. Yeah, I had a similar experience. Yeah, it's uh, those dang doctors don't give you what you want sometimes. <laughs> right? I guess, thankfully, now, yes, looking back, sure. it's a good thing they don't. Yes. Um, so then, uh, you know, as time goes on, are there starting to be consequences from your, your actions, school and sports and things like that? Um, I, I stayed in school. I always did relatively good in school. Um, I remember a lot of my friends smoking weed before school and things of that nature. I was never big on weed. I did it, I guess, just because everyone else was and it was there right. and I liked to get high, but I didn't like it. So I didn't do it during school or before school because I felt stupid and I felt everyone knew and it was that paranoia. So I stayed away from it during school and I was able to finish. I graduated. Um, So sports in high school, did you play? I I stayed playing sports. Yeah. I quit basketball my, my uh, senior year. And I think that was more of my attitude problem, honestly, (laughs) than than anything. You think you know it all at 18 and uh, you can't tell me what to do or how to live type. Yeah. And I think, uh, us addicts and alcoholics, your pride is a little, you, yes. you know, you get by on that pride and yes. your, your self-will so much that you kind of, you don't like taking direction from people. I right. know at least I, I definitely had that problem in, in in life. And, you know, I was definitely not, uh, I, I was just very easy to give up on yeah. things. If, if I was challenged with attitude from a, you know, authority figure, I just... I wouldn't be rude. I just kind of got out of that situation. Right. So I wasn't really a confrontational person, but I just would say, you know what? This isn't worth it. I don't want to try that hard. Yeah. I'm just going to quit. Right. And that was a conflict between me and my my parents, my dad especially with sports, because I remember I was kind of just didn't have any interest in trying hard in any sports. And Mm -hmm. he was a pretty good athlete. And, uh, you know, he always wanted me to do more. And I was just kind of, I was getting into that party scene and I just didn't care. So I pretty much gave up on everything. Yeah. Same. Um, so, so you get through high school, get through decent student. Yeah. Decent sports. Yeah. You kind of start fizzling out a little bit towards the end. Oh, yeah. And I, um, right out of high school, I, I started, um, hanging out with older people and that's kind of when everything got crazy and out of control. Um, I always knew like, like cocaine was a bad deal and I don't know where, like, I don't know how I knew that, but I did. I always remember me and my best friend, one of them was always like, we're never going to do cocaine. Yeah. We'll take pills, we'll drink, we'll smoke weed, but don't do cocaine. And at age 19, I was highly addicted to cocaine. Okay. And at, at this time, were your uh, family members aware of that? No. Nobody. No. So you kind of were keeping it, keeping sure. it hidden. Yep. Were you a daily user or were you yes. just kind of a weekend warrior? No. As soon as I did it, it was every day for four years straight. Oh, wow. Yeah. I moved out with a boyfriend because, like I said, he was, he was like 10 years older or so. Oh, wow. And, uh, yeah, every day, every day for four every years. Every day, all day. Yeah. 
And what were you doing? Did you go to college after high school? I tried for a little bit before, actually before the cocaine, because 18, you know, and 19. But um, it didn't work out. I, I You didn't have to be there. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. That, that it's a little thing. different. <laughs> yeah. So I was like... Uh, bye. I'm cool. Yeah. I don't. I don't want to do this. I. I want to get high. I want to party. I want to have fun. I'm young and crazy and dumb, and I get to have fun. This is what I should be doing. Exactly. And you kind of get. Uh, people allow you to do that when yeah. you're when you're young. And, yeah. And uh, you know, I think 20 years ago is a lot different than it is now. For sure. You know, you you could kind of take that take that break year, and you know, I know now a lot of parents, man, they make their kids go to college. Yeah, and, for sure. And, uh, you know especially if they're paying for it they're going to probably go yeah and so you don't get that easy year off where you're just going to party and hang out some kids get pushed into going right away yeah i hope that's what my kids do yeah like i i my my fifth grader now like i tell her how important grades are all the time like not that my mom didn't tell me that, but she didn't like enforce that. I guess because I always did decent and that yeah. was good enough, you know, yeah. but I always make sure and tell my daughter now, like your grades now matter, like yeah. pay attention what you're doing. So I know we'll get there, but you have two, two kids now, two daughters, two yes. daughters. One of them's in fifth grade. Could you imagine her next year starting to Stop experiment? It. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? Like I, I've young, thought that many times. I mean, I have a fourth grader, and I can't imagine no. him doing the stuff that I was doing in middle school no. just in a few years. It's yes, crazy. It's scary. Like, the drugs, the sex, all of it. Yeah, yeah. Like, and it happens. It, yeah. It happens more than people know. And so fast. Like, yeah. I never imagined in fifth grade, like, those are the things I would be doing in a year. You know, yeah. like, it wasn't even on my radar right and the next thing you know it's my life yeah so as a parent now how would you uh how would you handle that situation if something did come up when your kids were middle school high school even how how are you planning on addressing that because i know that's something i think about a lot how i'm gonna try to communicate to my kids about my issues that i've had let them know that there's a there's a pretty decent chance that they might have some issues with things if they're right. not careful and um how would you deal with that i yeah i try to just kind of um talk to them now um rylan more than eva eva's only six but um i take them to my meetings and i've asked rylan before my oldest like do you listen in meetings and she said sometimes and i make sure like you know why I'm there and things of that nature. Um, she, she acts like she doesn't want to talk about it. Like she knows, but she doesn't want to. And I don't know if that's like some of the trauma that maybe she has from the yeah. things that she saw and the things that I put her through or what that is. But, um, I just try to keep communication open and hope that, that she'll come to me if anything like that yeah. ever does arise. I mean, cause that's, that's really all I can do at this point. Yeah. And I think, uh, that's important. You, you, you mentioned that I certainly didn't know anything about the recovery world until I got into the recovery world and, and the meetings and, you know, we, we won't go into detail on that, but it is a common thing for parents to bring their children to, to meetings right. and, uh, some, some places have child care where they, you know, have people helping out with the kids so that the parents can actually get to a meeting, right. you know, if they don't have a babysitter or can't afford a babysitter. So I know several people that, that grew up as a kid in Indeed. meetings with their parents. And then they, you know, later found out that they were a lot like their parents. And so they, they kind of grew up in that environment. 
They knew what to expect, and their recovery is definitely a little more advanced than someone just coming in off the street. Right. But then I've seen people that grew up in recovery that are still having a really hard time. So right. it's not, it's not, again, it's not a, you know, it's not something that you're, you're destined to figure it out quickly. But no, it's, it's certainly if we want something. It. Yeah, if you want it. So, um, all right. So, so you're in your twenties now, you're 19, 20, you're partying, you're having fun. Yep. When do things really start to get bad? Because we know we know that they do. I know that I started smoking crack, and then the guy I was with that we were doing that with broke up with me. Okay, and he was the love of my life, of course, because I'm 20 years old and um, 21, however old I was, and it was devastation. And so then I just went all out, and that's when I tried heroin and um thank god i didn't like it and i was like this is not for me but i went absolutely wild for a while and then honestly i got tired and i was like i want to go home i'm done with this and so i i somehow walked away from it i don't know how honestly at this point i still don't know how um grace of god i guess but i went home so and, what, what um, you, where were you at if you went home so where were you at when well, you were I, I moved in with a friend that didn't do drugs. okay so you kind of got away from the people yes. places and things yes and, and you were how old then 24. 24 years old. Yes. So you're 24. You kind of, you quit on your own. Was it just cold turkey? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I didn't, I never quit taking pills until I came into recovery now. Okay. Um, but, um, or drinking, but, um, yeah, I quit all, I quit crack and coke and all, all those okay. things. So, so you took, you took, made that decision. You're going to, you know, improve your life. Right. Move in with a friend. What, what uh what defects of character did you still have though because you know <laughs> as we both know if you just quit something that's not going to fix all your problems so how was life even though you had quit using hardcore drugs how how was your life still um affected uh in every way. Yeah. <laughs> I was still the same person. I didn't change anything. I just took the drugs away and for me um, it's all about changing who you are. It's not right. just the drugs. The drugs are a symptom. And, um, so I, I got pregnant. So that helped a lot. Okay. So, um, that happened. And then I was with her dad for, for, for like six, seven, eight years. Okay. And he was kind of like my grounding point. Like I still drank and he was okay with that. Um, I didn't know I was an addict until 2014. He knew somehow and he told me I, he grew up with the mom for an addict. And, um, he always told me I needed help, but I was like, I'm fine. Right. Until 2014 when I got my second DUI and I, I left my girls at home to go get more alcohol by themselves and hit a house and oh, went wow. to jail. And, um, I woke up that next morning was like, I'm an addict and I need help and gotcha. I don't know where to go and I don't know what to do. Okay. So there's some time though in between you, you know, you, you, you have your first daughter. Mm hmm. You're living with this with her dad. Mm -hmm. You're drinking still. You're not on the hard stuff. Are you right. still taking some pain pills here and there? Oh yeah. Okay, so you're still oh yeah full blown addicted oh, yeah. to that stuff. You yeah. just stopped the the crack cocaine. Right. Um. So what was your life like ha having a kid and being you know an an addict but functioning? How was your life and how was it raising your daughter 
those first few years? I feel like um, I don't remember a lot of it, and that's sad for yeah. me. Um, I look at pictures and things of that nature, and I can look at my eyes, and I'm like, man, I was annied out. I don't remember that. And right. um, that breaks my heart for both of my girls, honestly. Um, but it was manageable. Their dad always, like, I knew that I had to keep my life under control, I'll yeah. say, for lack of better words, um, because I didn't want him to leave me, and I knew that that is what would happen, and so um, I knew I had a good thing, and I didn't want to mess it up, and I tried very hard not to do that. I mean, I ended up failing, but that 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 is what kept me grounded for okay. for many years. Gotcha. So so sometimes there are things in life that can keep you in check I for guess. a certain period of time. <laughs> Uh, I can relate to that completely. You yeah. know, I, uh, different times in my twenties, you know, I, I knew I was going a little too hard with the partying mm-hmm. and I would have a reason, something important coming up that I was able to kind of get things in check. Right. While still dabbling here and there, right. I wasn't full on into, you know, the party scene and, uh, get my life on track for a couple months. Yeah. And, you know, I always kept a job and had the right. same job. And so I knew that if I kept that, I could keep the, keep appearances up. Yeah. So it was yeah. always real important to make sure you had that, that job. Yeah. Um, so what was the, so your daughters are four years apart. Yes. So is he the father of both of them? Yes. Okay. So you had two children. You're still kind of going the way you're going, yes. right? You're not improving. No. You're, you're just, Slowly getting worse. Your disease is progressing. So what was the tipping point there with your uh, relationship? Well, when I found that morning I woke up, I said that I realized I was an addict. That gave me total justification for everything I did from then on out. He'd be, I'd do something crazy, whatever. And well, why did you do that? Because I'm an addict. I don't know. I'm an addict. And I remember at the end of our relationship, he said something and I was justifying. He said, and I don't want to hear that I'm an addict bullshit. And so, um, one night, um, no, I, I got back on Xanax and didn't tell him through my doctor. And I finally got a doctor that would give them to me. And I was like, I'm depressed. I need these. I have anxiety. I'll just take them the way they're prescribed. And we all know how that story ends. I was back on painkillers within a month. And then we were drinking and I started doing cocaine again. And he did not know that. And, um, one thing led to another. My life kind of got unmanageable. I was lying. I was sneaking. I was hiding again. Yep. And he knew it and he was over it. He said, I can't keep doing this to myself. And he left me. And so what year was that? That was 16, 2016. Okay. So you had already gotten your DUI in 14. Yes. You had already. Okay. So you had already kind of had some major consequences, but yes. you. You know, you weren't correcting it on your own at that time. Right. I knew I needed help, but I didn't know where to go. Yeah. I had no idea. I didn't know anything about anything. And were you uh, familiar with the recovery world at that time? No. No? Nothing. It was something I like had seen on TV, but never thought about in real life. And you didn't associate with anyone that was sober? No. Well, and I did go to an outpatient thing after I got my second DUI in 14, but um, I quickly disqualified myself because sure. those people were way worse than I was. Yeah, you know, that's interesting. So, so I, you know, that's something that 
I've gotten that question a lot, you know, because I do have, a, did have a job still. I didn't lose my house, family, my car, you know, all these things that, that I think the stigma of addiction, people think you have to be broken, homeless, right. living on a, you know, in a box on, downtown, you right. know, to be qualified as a addict or an alcoholic. Um, but you know, for me, I was able to understand that I could be just as bad or be just the same as this person that has had a few more bad turns than me and ended up in the streets. Right. I'm just not there yet. Yes. And so I I know that when when I first started trying to work on things for myself, everyone kept telling me how important it was to find the similarities. Yes. And not the differences. Yes. And unfortunately, most people can't do that. So Mm. explain how you kind of you were able to or explain how you didn't do that at first. I went to those groups and they, they were on um, MAT, which is medical assisted treatment. And I could tell, and they, they look fucked up. Sorry for my cousin. And, um, and I, and I was like, I don't want to be here. Like they're still on drugs and I'm not. And okay. I was, I was still drinking, but, um, I, I found every reason not to be there. I didn't want, I wanted to be there. You know, I think as an addict, um, when we're struggling, like we want that, we want that family life. We want that, that, that good life that we all picture in our head, but we don't know how to get it. And we, we don't quite want it yet either if that makes yeah, any sense. Yeah, I know. Well, you just don't know how to get it. Yeah. You don't know how to get out of your own way yes. to have it. Yes. And you're scared. Yes. Yeah. And what will life be like without these drugs? Yeah. But you're also it's it's the most awful feeling in the world. You're so scared of what might happen, but you're also too prideful to yes. ask for help and admit it, yes. you know? And that's what I think a normal person doesn't uh, experience in right. life, right? Yeah. Like I, I know a lot of normal people that have come to me and said like, hey, you know, I've had this issue or that issue, while they're kind of just figuring out that they have that issue. Right. me, I waited till it was a five-year-old issue right. to, that was about to take everything away before yes. I was able to admit to it. Yes. Uh, and I had, I've been caught red-handed. You right. know, it wasn't like, yeah, I'm starting to feel like I got a little problem right. here. It no, was like, full I'm full-blown in my problem. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, I had been to jail numerous times at this point, you know, um, second DUI, in trouble, like, just, just all the typical things yeah. of an addict. But I usually, I got bailed out of jail or I would get a lawyer so I didn't have to be a felon. And I never, I never had a real repercussion, I feel like. Yeah. And even still, I feel like... When you have those repercussions, if you're not ready, you're not ready. Right. That's just my mind thought on it. Like, period. Right. So. So you're getting in trouble with the law at, at what, uh, I mean, other than DUIs, were there other crimes that you oh, had? Yeah. Okay. Um, gotcha. Yeah. I stole a lot okay. from, um, stores, Walmart. I, they hate me. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. That was that was my main thing. I okay. always got caught. I wasn't good at it, and I still continue to try to do it. And it was the thrill. I'm de- like that's what I said. Goes back to the beginning, like those yeah. cigarettes, man. It was my first high. I feel like that would that that it adrenaline. Did something for you, yeah. And so you're you're getting in trouble at this time. Your parents. Obviously, no. 
that you you know things are difficult for you. Yes, your relationships over. Yes. What's your relationship like with your parents? Are they trying to help you at this point? Uh, well, when we break up, I got my own apartment for the first time, living on my own. Things were things were okay. I mean, I immediately went back to all the hard drugs because I didn't want to feel. I didn't want to think about how I just tore my family apart. How the girls didn't get to live with their dad anymore both of us in the same home um it was a nightmare and then um like i said my mom's never left me and so but she didn't know the extent either i told her i was back on painkillers i remember once detoxing on my couch and she came over and, and helped with the kids or took them or something once and that lasted maybe a week she probably thought it lasted a couple months yeah and and then i found meth and then it was all over. Okay. So so you've got shared custody of your kids at that time. You've yes. got your own place. Yes. You're trying to get it together, but yes. it just starts getting worse. Yeah. So explain the next next level there. What what started happening in your life? I I I managed for for a year paying the bills and working and doing all of those things and um it just got worse and worse. I I as soon as I started doing the meth, I knew that it was bad. I knew that I shouldn't be doing it, but I couldn't quit. It was all in as soon as I did it for the first time. And um it just kept getting worse. I started off like, oh, I can get my house clean. I can go to my job. I can take care of my kids. And then I was... I was too high to go to work and I was too high to take care of my kids and I couldn't even clean my house. I was tearing it up more and it was a nightmare. And then I didn't, I remember, I feel like this was the turning point. I didn't pay an electric bill. As weird as that sounds, I was like, I, and I had the money. I just didn't want to go do it. And so I didn't pay it. And then it turned into another month and then I didn't pay the rent. And then I didn't have money anymore. And I went to stay at a friend's house and that lasted about a week. And then I was like, okay, now what? And so, so you're, you're at the end of the rope at this yes, point. Yes. And, and is your family intervening then or are they still kind of, were they helping out with the kids? They definitely were helping out with the kids. They were really concerned about the kids. Um, I never had DCFS involved. Um, God again. Um, but my mom pretty much was raising my kids at this point okay. and, um, and their dad, um, great dad and thank God for him that they have him. And, um, I went and I met a guy and was living with him in Brighton, but I had my girls living at my parents' house. Okay, and so, so he, your parents would get your time with yes, the kids instead yes. of you. Yeah, I was trying like as much as you can when you're a drug addict in active addiction, but um, it it wasn't it wasn't not, I wasn't there for my kids. I was not being a mother at all. Yeah, and mm. I, I know that might it might be hard to talk about, but what looking back on that now. I mean, how do you think that impacted them at that young age? A lot. Um, Eva, I feel like when I got clean, she, I couldn't leave her side. But then also I would be like, well, let me give you a bath. And she would want Rylan to give her a bath. And that kind of stuff hurt bad. I'd be like, well, let me brush your hair. Well, I want Sissy to brush my hair. And then that made me realize how much Rylan had stepped up yeah. in that time to take care of her sister and that's heartbreaking when i think about that yeah that that is i can understand that so um you know things aren't improving no you're um you're still 
trying to keep up. Yes. You're bouncing around. Yes. What's the final straw? I went back to jail again for stealing from Walmart and I got a lawyer so I wouldn't have to be a felon like I've always done. And, and who's paying for these lawyers at this point? My parents. Okay. And so um, I got drug court. And that's a program so you don't have to go to prison. Okay. And I was think, I think I was looking at three to five years maybe because I had been caught multiple, multiple times and they were sick of it. And, um, so yeah, I got, I got drug court and, um, thank God for that. I was mad. I fought and screamed and cried the whole way, but, um, it changed my life and I wouldn't change anything. Like, I will never speak badly of that program. It yeah. saves lives. Yeah, I actually talked with Ty Beckel on last week's episode I about heard. drug court. Yep. So, what was your experience with drug court? Explain how it kind of worked for you. Well, I I asked my lawyer if I could just go to rehab to get out of my situation, and he said, well, let's try drug court. I didn't know then that they sent you to rehab in drug court. So, I went to rehab. Um, stayed 10 days, thought I was fine, came home, relapsed, got back into rehab and did myself a favor and paid attention and listened and took suggestions and, um, and, and saw that it, that it could work once I came home. Like I started going to meetings, they make you go to meetings and I saw people happy and living life without drugs. And yeah. I'm like, wow, like this is obtainable. I can do this. And, um, I, something clicked and I'm so thankful that it did. So this is in 2019, 2018. I started drug court. Okay. So 2018, you started. Yes. You have a hiccup. You come back around. How, what happens then? Did, did it just click and you're good to go? Um, pretty much. I, I did relapse. Me and James, when we moved into this house, I found a container that I had kept some dope in and, um, I, I put my finger in it and licked it. And, um, it, it was a relapse. It was a mental relapse more than anything. I didn't get high on it, but it was a mental relapse. And so I started over. But other than that, yeah, I've been clean ever since then. Wow. That's, that's great. And, I mean, I didn't know, I didn't know that, uh, story about the relapse. There, uh, there are a lot of people that might not reset that date. Yeah. I didn't if, want to. Yeah. And it so was hard. Talk about how, how you got to, got to that decision. Um, I, I have a sponsor and, um, we talked about it. And when she told me I had to start over, I did not talk to her. Like we were at a meeting and I didn't talk to her for the rest of the meeting. I left. I was mad. I didn't want to start over. I had worked hard for that four months. And, um, I, she said, well, it's your decision. And I, I came to terms with it. And I said, I did. Because I did have a clear mind, so I yeah. was able to look at what I did and my part in it. And so I was like, I, I did do it, so I'm going to start over. And then I had remembered that when I when I went to jail, I went to jail for a week before I went to rehab. And I had smuggled in Seroquel. And so I was taking those to get high. And I had came home from rehab, and I and I can't remember still to this day if I had taken some, some Flexerol or something to try and get high. And I don't remember if that was the first time or the second time I came home. And so all these things, I'm like, this, this is what my higher power wants for me. Like I yeah, need to need start to over. Yeah. I know 100% I have not put drugs in my body since July of 2019. That's so, great. Yeah. So let's talk about you and James. When, when <laughs> did you and James meet? Um, 
I remember being at his meeting when he had 30 days. He does not remember me. Um, but I came home from rehab the second time in April and he was at a meeting and we met there and, um, he, he was giving me a hug and I told him he was cute and that was it, man. That's all Not it took. shy. You weren't shy about no, it. No, he's so adorable. <laughs> <laughs> so you guys, um, you know, one thing I wanted to touch on is a couple in recovery together. Yep. Um, you know, we can't go into detail about recovery right. groups and things like that, but. Uh, what, what is your experience with that? Cause it's definitely some people I know, it, it definitely strengths, strengthens their recovery. If yeah. you're with someone that is doing the same thing as you and you're, you're maybe going through life together. For uh, sure. It can, it can probably strengthen things, but then I'm guessing it could also be tough at times. Well, I remember when I met him, one of the first times we hung out, he told me that he wanted to marry a normal woman. And I told him, good luck with that. <laughs> people do it and I know that they can and they have healthy relationships but I think that was him trying to like put on a front and that was also me trying to trying to hook the bait and so um to be honest and um but now like I I love it and we both love it and we call each other out and we're able to keep each other on our toes and if we see one one another working on work, you know, we're able, like, it inspires us, yeah. you know, and we're always each other's cheerleaders and cheer each other on and want nothing but the best for one another. And I feel like it helps with communication and we're, we're able to um, keep that open with one another and in the good and the bad. Right. Like, if I'm thinking about, about using, I can, I can go to him and he'll understand where I'm coming from and know that I don't want to, but I'm still thinking about it and he'll get that. He'll get, he gets all of it because he's been there. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think that's important to be able to be open and honest like that. Yeah. Um, you know, my wife is not, my wife is normal and, um, you know, she, she is the furthest thing from the addict alcoholic type of mind you know i've said it before she'll have a few glasses of wine and right. she wants to drink some water and have some <laughs> nachos or something because right. she's dizzy you know right. and uh so she is the furthest thing from it but i'm we're at a point now with me you know doing this a few years right that i can even be open with her about things That's awesome. and you know it definitely helps to yeah. have somebody that that is is allowing you to kind of speak openly where you're not feeling like you're going to be, you know, in, in trouble or judged right. for feeling a certain way because it's not all roses, you know, sobriety yeah. is is great. It's been great for me, but when you're used to handling every problem in your life with a pill or a drink right. or whatever and and you know, some people in can get away with handling a stressful day with some wine. Right, right. Or, or maybe taking a, a certain type of anxiety medicine because they're very stressed out and they won't take it again for a week or two. Right. And that's totally fine. Yeah. Good, good for those <laughs> right. people. Um, but that's not how I am. Me neither. And, uh, you know, it's, it's good to finally know who you are. Like, yeah. that's my biggest thing. Like, it took me till I was probably 30. Five, 36 years old, you know, a year and a half into recovery to where I was finally like understanding who I was as a person, right. you know, and I had, I had always acted like I knew who I was and I was confident in myself, but I really wasn't, you know, right. I, I had all these insecurities and fears from, from 
about little things and all this angst, angst, anxiety constantly. And, uh, yeah, it's been a blessing to me in, in the recovery world to kind of get, get confident in, in myself and the way I view myself, honestly. Right. Yeah. Um, same. And I think, um, a partner, um, doesn't have to, we don't have to date addicts because we are addicts by any means, as long as the other person is willing to let you be open and be yourself, like you said, and you feel free to do that. Because I feel like it's important for an addict because we don't know who we are for so long and we wear so many masks. Yeah. And um, once we get clean and we get honest with ourselves, like it feels good to know who we are and we want to be able to be ourselves and take those masks off and feel no stress about who we are and love ourselves. Cause for me, it's hard for me to love myself even today, you know, and I hear it, it, it takes time and, um, it's something to look forward to. Absolutely. So, uh, what, what's your favorite part about sobriety? Helping others? Um, yes. A hundred percent. Helping others? Yes. I love helping others. I get to be a sponsor today and I love it. I love reaching out. I love being that smiling face when people walk through a door. I love people. Like my mom asks me all the time, like, well, if this person would call you, would you help them? Yes, I would help them. Like, it doesn't matter what happened in our past. I will help anyone. Like, because for so long, I didn't know where to go. I didn't know what to do. And I wanted help, but I didn't know how or where to get it. So I want to be that person. Me and James, um, we want to recover loudly so others don't have to die in silence. And, um, that's kind of like our motto right now. That's kind of, um, where we're at with it. And, um, I've just been praying a lot to to serve and not be served. That's who I want to be. Yeah, when you when you're in that mindset, it definitely changes your life. Yes. Uh, you know, we've always been in in active addiction. You're always just taking all yes. the time and you're you know, whether you're doing it politely or you're at at rock bottom and you're being an a-hole about it, you're right. you're still taking, you yes. know, and uh you Everything. know, I can certainly relate you know just manipulating situations to get what i wanted even if it didn't involve drugs and alcohol yeah that was how i always operated you know i i was doing something and i had a a, another motive you know i had a i had a totally separate motive that i wouldn't be open about Mm -hmm. and it's just when you're living like that, the amount of stress that's always on your back is is crazy. It's a so. lot. And I don't think we realize we're carrying it around until it's gone. Yeah. And we're like, man, that's like, exactly I feel right. great, you know? And I didn't even realize I was such a manipulator until I got clean. Like, I manipulated my mom like crazy. So she would help me or give me money or whatever. And toward the end, she she wouldn't give me money. She finally had caught on, like... I know what you're doing and no, you know, but I manipulated the crap out of everyone that I could feel sorry for me. You know, whatever the case was, I was getting what I wanted. Yeah. So towards the end there, I know we're kind of going backwards now. How was your relationship with your parents? Was it suffering big time? Yeah, it definitely got strained and it was definitely all on me. Um, I didn't really talk to my dad at all. I would walk, I, I lived there. Um, when I started drug court, I finally like, I had to have a home. I had to have a curfew. And so I was at home with my parents and I, I, I didn't talk to my dad and, um, 
and that sucked. Like I wanted to, but I was so shameful and so full of guilt and I didn't know what to say to him. And so, um, I, I didn't know what he knew. I didn't know what he didn't know. So I didn't want to say too much. I knew my mom always kind of like kept it under wraps. And so I didn't, I just didn't know what to say. And my mom, um, like I said, she's always been there, but it was me in my head. And I, I, I don't really know what it was, but, um, besides drugs and I isolated myself. Yeah. And what is your relationship like today with them? It's amazing. I, um, in the summertime, me and James go over there and we cut their grass for them. I go over there. I talk to her. Um, I talk to her at least three, four, five times a week. Um, all the time talk to her. Um, tell her everything. Uh, which I've always told her everything for the most part, but, um, it's, it's back to, it's back to how it was. And that I, I didn't think that was ever going to happen. And that scared me because she truly is my best friend and always has been. So it, it feels good to be able to, to call her and talk to her and not be full of shame or guilt and to, to know that she's proud of me and to know that I'm doing the next right thing and that she doesn't have to answer questions to family about me of, of what I'm doing or where I am or I, I know she's not laying in bed at night worried about me and praying for me as far as please don't let my daughter die. Yeah. So that feels good. Yeah. What about your daughters? What's life like with them now? Um, it's pretty great. Um, I, I get them all the time. Me and their dad still have shared custody. We've never went to court or anything of that matter. Um, they're fun. They're six and 11 and they're fun and they're full of life and they love me and they love being around me and they, I get to, I get to do their hair. Well, Rylan won't let me, but Eva, like braid my hair, mom, or come play with me, mom, or let's go to the park, mom. And, um, I get to put her to bed every night, you know, and I get to say those bedtime prayers with her and it's something that she expects and she knows is going to happen every night. And that's really cool that she can expect those things from me and that I can fulfill those things for her, her, her basic needs. Yeah, that's awesome. That's great to hear. And so I guess finally, you know, what this whole, this podcast is about people that have struggled through and made it, made it to the other side. If you were giving anyone advice or anyone's family advice on how to get through the problem themselves or how to help a loved one with with addiction, from your point of view, what would that advice be? Um, for the addict, just to ask for help. Don't be fearful. Like, it's scary, but it's so much better. Like, just ask for help. There are so many people that want to help and... Um, for the family members, it's honestly, I think they need to just try to stay open minded and keep that hope and know that as long as they're alive, that there is hope because we do recover and there is life without drugs and, um, have those tough conversations with them. I mean, they might get mad at you, but they'll get over it and, um, they'll be all right. And you could save a life by having one of those tough conversations. Yeah, no, that's great. I think that's great advice. Well, Casey, I really appreciate you coming on. Thanks for having me. Um, it's been fun getting to know you a little bit, and I look forward to the future with you and James. Me too. Thank you. All right. Thank you, Casey.